kept like, how do you have fun sober? Or how do you have fun? And I'm like, well, I, I still do the same stuff. I just don't drink and I'm not a monster anymore. So it's really a shift in mentality of like, what the addict, the person who has a terrible relationship with alcohol, you're not chasing fun. You're eventually, you're just chasing chaos. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come sell Celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Sober is Dope podcast. I'm your host, Pop Buchanan, and I am very excited to bring my special guest to you guys today. My guest today is the one and only Courtney Anderson. Courtney is a sober coach, a podcast host, and a sober cheerleader, your personal sober cheerleader. She's also the founder of National Sober Day, which is September 14th, and the founder of the Sober Vibes podcast and online support community for recovery and sober curious women of all ages. Ladies and gentlemen, Courtney is so inspirational. The fact that she, you know, really made it official National Sober Day, September 14th, is very exciting. And I'm so proud to have her on the podcast today. Courtney has an amazing spirit and amazing energy, and she brings a large part of the recovery community together online, in person, and through her workshops. I'm really proud to have her on the podcast so you guys can hear how she found her recovery in her creative way. With no further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy my episode with the one and only Courtney Anderson, founder of National Sober Day and the Sober Vibes podcast. Thank you. How are you doing today, Courtney? I'm good, Pop. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited to connect with you. You are you are a bundle of good energy. That's Thank all I you. can say with you. You are you're a good human. You're Thank good dude. you so much. Likewise. So, all right. Well, we both share our sober year 2012, right? So that's uh-huh. your sober year, August of 2012. And I would love for you to just give our audience some background on your personal sobriety journey, how it started and you know you being a sober superhero that you are um yeah so I got sober August 18th of 2012 I just celebrated my eight-year sober anniversary um yeah so and it's the my most favorite day of the year um I was the I fell in love with drinking at 19 I 
promised myself I never was going to touch, I was never going to go down the drinking route because there was functioning alcoholism in my family. I was like, I'm never going to do that, blah, blah, blah. And then 19, I got a taste because I live in the suburbs of Detroit. So when you go over to Canada, the legal drinking age is 19 in Windsor. So we started going over there and that's where I fell in love with alcohol and the bar scene and going out. And I was like, great. Um, at 22, it started to turn really dark. I was a complete, I was a person who, I was binge drinker, functioning blackouts. Nothing good really ever happened when um, I drank, probably like 10% of the time. I'll never, I'll never neglect that, that fun time that I had because it happened, you know, right, but it was absolutely. more like 90%, 90% of the time was waking up in a jail cell, waking up in a hospital, waking up into a dude's bed, not knowing how I got there or what his name was. And then wondering if I had sex with him. Yeah. Um, about 25, it's when I knew I had an issue and that eventually one day it was going to stop. The reason I stopped finally to the point from 25 to 29, I really pop, tried to moderate my drinking. Yeah. I really tried with no shots. No, uh, I'm not going to drink any wine. I'm not going to drink any dirty martinis. No. You know, I try to set all these boundaries and limits. Didn't work. I always wound up at the same spot every time. So on August 18th, it was my last bartending shift. And of course I got hammered. Woke up the next day to my boyfriend who was like uh, extremely, extremely mad because apparently I was standing over our bed threatening his life. Like who wants to wake oh, up to that? Wow. You know what yeah. I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. And he was terrified because that wasn't the first time that it happened. And rightfully so. Like I can joke about it now. And right. That, Right. That boy, that boyfriend is now my husband. We kind of, you know, so things worked out. And that was the time I lost my cat for the second time. So she escaped when I went out to go smoke a cigarette. She escaped. And so I spent three days, like, without my cat, lost. We rescued her from the streets. So I felt horrible. She was back out on the streets. And my boyfriend gave me a choice. Matthew gave me a choice at that time which is something I needed because nobody ever held me accountable like that before, where he said, if you want to keep drinking, go ahead, but I'm not sticking around for this and our yeah. cat's missing. So I made a pact to myself and to the universe. If we found Fiona, I would give up alcohol and we found her and wow. I, haven't had, I haven't had a, and when I found her, it was a real universal or God's moment, whatever you want to call it. For me, it was, it was a divine intervention of me picking up this ca uh, cat outside and everything like went into super slow-mo wow. and everything went silent. And right. like, I just like, it was like the universe was like, here's your sign. So that's, that's where I'm at. And that's why I, I gave up drinking because eventually at the end of the day, at that process, in that point of time, I was tired. I was exhausted. Yes. Correct. Correct. Well, congratulations to you on that. And um, God bless Fiona because yes. she was the catalyst. We all need a catalyst. And I think that experience was a spiritual experience in a way. Mm -hmm. They always say that we need some type of vital spiritual experience or some type of something to get you an epiphany, some awakening and just reuniting with your cat, put things in perspective. So congratulations with that. Eight years. It must have been a ride. For me, it has been a ride the last eight years. Is. So let me ask you, did you do any formal rehab or anything like that, AA, or you just kind of did it on your own? Uh, I did some AA in the beginning, no rehab. Rehab to me was never 
an option because okay. of, you know, like just rehab was never an option to me. So I did some AA in the, or in the early beginning, but I had such bad anxiety and I just really did not connect with it. So I really did for those first two years, I, I white knuckled it. I did cold Turkey. Um, I, I went through the motions of it. And then I would think it was, I always forget year three or year four, I went back and did the program because I wanted for a summer, I wanted to get the experience of like, what is this all about? You know? Um, and then I've thrown in the mix of therapy. I've been in and out of therapy since I was 16. I think therapy is okay. great for all, yes. um, you know, and then hired a, a mindset coach. And so I've done a lot of, of growth in, in different aspects. Cause I think at different times of your life, like some people don't need to be in AA their whole time. Some people just need it for a couple months and they're like, okay, I'm good. Some people need it a year. Some people need it 30, 30 years. Same thing for therapy, right. you know? Right. Correct. Therapy mm -hmm. is foundational for me because we always talk about that um, comorbid addiction with you deal with mental health and our addictions Yes. and they, they, they fuel each other's one and the same. And for me, I had to I spent about, I would think, a year in therapy, and then I saw my therapist was like, well, you need to see a psychiatrist because you have a lot of heavy issues we want you to work with, especially bereavement. I think dealing with the loss of my father, talking mm -hmm. about that, putting um, a hard breakup in perspective, and just, I, I was part of the real estate crash um, in the early 2005, and that really, well, around 2007, and that really affected me because I was a real estate investor, and I was young, I was out of college, I had all of these houses and stuff, and then I just lost a lot. So, I mean, I had really I was dealing with the loss of the business the loss of a girlfriend and I was I never really dealt with my dad's stuff and then that would that with all of that I was depressed and I didn't know how to really focus like I didn't know how to put my depression in perspective yeah. and that led me to drink 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 and then I went down like um that rabbit hole man mm -hmm. so uh, without therapy, I think I, it would have been really tough in my recovery. I think it helped being able just to talk to someone. I remember that first day, I just, I went off for probably, they was like, your session is over. I was still talking. I was like, I felt so good to really connect. And uh, to everyone out there who's on the fence about therapy, it's something that I would say, try. Try to experience mm -hmm. it for yourself because you'd be surprised when you're in front, when you're in front of someone who's non-judgmental. And they want to hear about your good, bad, and ugly. It's a very healing process. So don't give up on that. Um, I wanted to ask you, so you went from your sobriety, you went on this journey. How did you get into being a coming a sober coach? Uh, the sober coach actually came within the last couple of years. I think what happened was, was um, I was in a, I went from bartending to going into working at a pain clinic full time. Now, I was in the pain clinic right before the height of that, of the opiate process, the, the opiate epidemic came really like a boom. And so I was like, what am I doing? I don't want to be in this field. And then I got into coaching because actually Beachbody, I got into health and fitness coaching first. Okay. Because I was not at the point where I was comfortable, not comfortable enough in my sobriety. I was not at that point yet where I was like, I want to help people on that avenue. I still had right. healing to do, you know? Correct. Yes. So then I did my health and fitness coaching for a couple of years. And then that's when I was like, I was on the time to start then doing my own soul recovery, coaching, holistic ways of stuff. When I started to get sober, 
the stuff I needed and what put in perspective of if I did some of these tools earlier on in my sobriety, I don't think I would have had as much anxiety though. That anxiety, because I was so in my head, I think went on for more than it needed to. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you just got to rip off the bandaid with some of this stuff, especially to putting yourself in some social settings. You just got to do it do it to a point where it's like, okay, an hour is enough, but just like by keep holding stuff off, you're just building more and more fear. So, but I did go back to working at the bar a couple of days a week when I left the medical field. And okay. I had so many people be like, you shouldn't be around alcohol. Yeah. I had people telling me that. And I was like, but I don't know what that's going to be like. So then they put the fear into me. And then my first shift, I was like, this is fine. I'm fine. I don't even, I don't want to drink, you know, like this, it is what it is. And, but if I would have continued to listen to people, I still could have been stuck in that fear years ago that I could have just continuously been in that cycle. That's right. It's always been a funny relationship with the bartender. The bartender always seemed like the sober, solid therapist, and you always would want to confide in them. Yeah. It's something about the old school bartender, that's archetype. They were solid. They was always there. They, and it's their responsibility to be served sober because they have to serve you. And yeah. I'm glad I'm glad you was able to do that. Hey, we have to challenge ourselves. We have to get out of our comfort zones, and we have to face our fears. Part of recovery is facing your fears mm-hmm. and 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 just ignoring them, not not ignoring them, and just riding, riding, keep going, keep going. Because for me, you know, people told me that about music. They said, "Well, you're too old to go back into doing music and stuff." But I said to myself, "Well, it's an art, and it's been part of my life. So why not create? Creativity keeps me alive. It's just like if I was a painter, or you know, if I was a sculptor." what's the difference of me doing my music? So I went back to do my music and then believe it or not, the music gave me the momentum to actually start the podcast. Cause then, yeah, yeah, I started meeting people. I got out of my comfort zone and I just wasn't stuck in, Oh, I'm sober and I have to stay in my room and I have to be this disciplined person. So that brings me to your next point. A lot of your program and a lot of the stuff on your website talk about having fun in sobriety, right? Living your best life in sobriety, having fun. And I love that. Can you, you tell us a little bit about that well yeah and like here's the thing going back to but people could have told you like going into back into the mu or going into the music like that's a lifestyle too you don't want to get into because drugs and right. alcohol are right. right but here's the situation of that alcohol is so embedded and ingrained in our society you have to get uncomfortable in this society to get comfortable. You know what I mean? Like alcohol is everywhere. They serve it in movie theaters, which like blows my mind now. But the deal is people make money on alcohol. It's a part of life. And it goes back pre-prohibition. I (laughs) know, I know. There's a whole history of it. And I've said this before in my podcast. If you ever want to learn the history of alcohol, watch Prohibition, the documentary by Ken Burns. It like just, it will blow your mind. So it's this whole concept of people, and I've had a lot of people say to me, especially to still being in the, in the uh, bartending a couple of days a week, it's like, how do you have fun sober? Or how do you have fun? And I'm like, well, I, I still do the same stuff. I just don't drink and I'm not a monster anymore. So it's really a shift in mentality of like, what the addict, the person who has a terrible relationship with alcohol, you're not chasing fun. 
you're eventually, you're just chasing chaos. So that's what your mm. drinking cycle became. I love it's that. just chaos that you've probably been living in in a long time. Because when I had to reevaluate my relationship with alcohol and what I was chasing, a lot of it stemmed back to my childhood. And a lot of it stemmed back to, to being born in a chaotic situation. And with therapy, this is what I've learned. So it really is all how you look at this and you should have fun. You didn't get sober just to sit in your room and be a disciplined person and not have any, have any friends. Will your fun ever be what you once had? Absolutely not because you're not in that substance state of mind anymore. Right. So it really is just about changing the perspective finding new hobbies, finding new, even new people to meet, to go out with and having fun. Like what fun for me now is having a one-on-one -on -one connection. Even if it's going out to eat, I'd rather just go with one or two people to like really be in the present moment than being with like 25 people, you know, right. it's I'm, just like. I'm the same way. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I, my night of uh, going out in the town is catching a good, good, eating some good food, catching a good movie, mm -hmm. which that's, that's going to possibly change because of our current pandemic environment. But it's still, that's my thing, the simplicity of it and being able to connect. And the one thing I will say to anyone that's listening with sobriety, you do find connection. You're going to mm -hmm. have these, I used to, it's people I can't even remember when my addiction that was so nice and loving and so many experiences and I could look back and say, damn, I never really was able to really nurture, really exploit that relationship in a positive way because I was so drunk. I barely remember people's names and I would spend time with them. And it was just sort of this, um, this miscommunication and lack of opportunity to connect. So I encourage everyone out there, you know, sobriety gives you your best chance. Can we go ahead? Go ahead. I was just going to say, and then also to redefining of what's fun for you, because personally, Pop, yes. at the end of the day, not waking up with crippling, like a crippling <laughs> hangover that right. has sent me to the urgent care for where I thought I was having a heart attack and it was just right. a panic attack or like waking up in a, in a jail cell, waking up. I used to love to do cocaine and, and then eventually smoking crack. Like, is that yeah. fun? Yeah, I don't exactly. think so. No, no, absolutely <laughs> not. That's right. That's right. So you did something amazing for the community. And I want to talk there because I know, um, and this is important to me, National Sober Day is now legit. It's a national holiday now. How did you come about the, with the idea and the process of finding this amazing day? You're the founder of National Sober Day. Thank you from the community, the recovery community. We want to thank you, tell you we love you. This is a beautiful contribution. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So I actually got, the idea came for me when I was watching a reality show on Bravo one night. So I, I founded this in 2019. So the first one happened last year. So when and this person made up a holiday and I was like, and they explained how they made this holiday. And I was like, so this is how all of these people do it with like the national cupcake day, national coffee day, national vodka day. There's all types of holidays. Okay. Right. So I was like, there's not a national sober day. Wow. So I went to the website and I applied wrote in, applied, and within, and it was weird. I, I'm like into angel numbers, and there was angel oh, numbers right. popping up okay. when I was, I like, it was just, everything was, was spot on with this. Right. And so I submitted it, and then 
two weeks later, I got an email and they're like, you're approved. Wow. <laughs> I love it. And I, I was speaking with the, the owner of the calendar day company and she, you know, and she was, I said that nobody has got this. And she's like, Courtney, I am just as shocked as you are. And she was like, but this is something that's needed. And I was like, 100%. And the intention behind national sober day is once again, to bring awareness to honestly the terrible disease of addiction, but also the beautiful thing of sobriety of just like, there's life after addiction. It's not death. Right, right. Sobriety is not a death sentence. Right. Addiction is, you know. Right, so cool. it's just something to be celebrated and fun, and it's just it's just added awareness that everybody needs. I love that so much. And so we're gonna tell everyone about this Saturday and the National Sober Day event that's coming up, ladies and gentlemen. We have an amazing event. So can you tell us a little bit about it? We do. We do. Yes. So September fourteenth at two o'clock. Um, and to, if you can't show up, I just want to say this first, if you cannot show up, I will be recording the zoom and we'll be sending that out to everybody who signs up for the national sober day event. Um, we have 10 guest speakers. Pop is one of them. And I'm very excited to hear him, um, talk, which he will be talking about mental health. Correct. Right, correct. Okay. Correct. So each speaker is kind of talking about, um, something different. Amy Dresner is going to be there. Doug Bopes is going to be on. Mark Turnipseed is going to be there. Um, Jen Elizabeth. It's hard for me not to say people's yeah. Instagram handles. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Jennifer Jones, there's, there's 10 speakers. So everybody, it's all different perspectives. And Jennifer Jones, what I love about her and what she is doing, because this is something I've never thought of before. Yes because why would I, because this has never happened to me, but I know what it's like to be an adult child of an alcoholic. She does a, uh, she has a nonprofit for helping young women with whose mothers are incarcerated. Oh, wow. That's important. Wow. Right. You know, and it's just like, and, and her mom was an addict and an alcoholic and is sober, got sober in jail. So it's just like some of this, it's just so needed right. when it comes to the whole spectrum of, of how far, addiction can take you. Wow. So thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, I'm gonna put all the information in the show notes, come see us and join us this Saturday. I've been talking about this and I'm very excited. Thank you for having me on. And um, like, lastly, last thing I want to talk about your podcast, can you tell people about the podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do a podcast, Sober Vibes. Um, We've been out, I've been out since February of 2020. And you know, I, my sister and I have a show in there. We call it a show within our show. My maiden name was Elledge. So we always in our drunk days, because my sister um, is also just got sober a couple of years ago. Oh, she, she, um, she had a huge crack cocaine addiction as well as drinking. So she's overcome. So we talk a lot in the show her and I do together just about family dynamics and just stuff that comes up and just uh, sister's standpoint and all this stuff but I have guests on you're going to be coming on in in 2021 um I know that kind of sounds ridiculous from where we are but just because <laughs> yeah. I've recorded all the guests but yeah. um and then I talk I talk I do a solo episode an episode with a guest and then my sister and I show so you can find it on iTunes we're all of um on any podcast app I really have it on all platforms <laughs> <laughs> yes, beautiful, beautiful. Um, Courtney, before we go, any advice to the recovery community? Any closing remarks? And can you let everyone know where they can find you? Yeah, you can. Uh, you can find me at, at on Insta. I'm really heavy on Instagram. 
Courtney Anderson or Sober Vibes. You can find me on the podcast. Email me anytime, SoberVibes at gmail.com. I think I have to say this to, to the community and to anybody who's struggling, that just know that your life is worth it. Because mm -hmm. I go back to the time of like, you know, that woman who was so lost and didn't think their life was w worth it and had a few suicide attempts. Like there is life, like I said, there's life after addiction. Absolutely. Is it, is some days hard? Yes, absolutely. But I would rather take one of my hardest days in sobriety than one of my easiest in active addiction. Absolutely. Just, just stay the course. Just yeah, like, stay the course. And it's, it's a process. That's right. And it's a beautiful process. So ladies and gentlemen, you heard it today. Courtney Anderson, Ms. Courtney Anderson is doing great things in the, for the recovery community. And look, go out there, have fun, face your fears. Don't be afraid to challenge yourself. All right. And stay the course. Courtney, we love you. Thank you for, you. for finding National Sober Day for us in the community. We're very excited to have you and keep up the good work. God bless you. And we'll catch you on the other side. All right. Thanks for having me on. Bye. Bye.